This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you from not from the virtual joint, not from the pub, not from the park, but this time... As you can hear the birds chirping in the background, we're in the garden. We've decided to sort of plot up a few days early as a bit of a dress rehearsal for Saturday's match, where there's going to be all sorts of garden parties taking place, all sorts of cookouts, all sorts of gatherings taking place all over West London as Brentford and Fulham play the game that should have been played on Friday the 13th. Of March. I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in my backyard here with my chums. I've got Laney at least two distance away. Laney, how are you? I'm good. I'm far enough away from you to feel safe and I'm <laughs> near enough to do this in person. So yeah, we're, we're, we're edging there, mate. That's right, edging. Good to have you around as well. And I've got Daz a first time this season as well. Darren the Bee as well, who lives not too far from me. Two North London bees as it is. Darren, how are you doing? Indeed. Good evening, Bill. Uh, good to see you got your two metre length microphone pole out tonight for this uh, occasion. I'm very well. We're enjoying watching a bit of the, the football starting up again, Project Restart, and we're looking forward to Saturday, mate. Potty. Absolutely potty for it. So, like, in the podcast today, what have we got coming up? We've got Justin Diltz from the Second Tier Podcast, and he's going to give us a little bit of background of what's going down in the Championship as we start playing football again on Saturday. Also, Sammy from Fulhamish Podcast as well. I have a little chat with him. We always have, like, a little jokes with Fulhamish, and uh, their little confidence that they've got as they go into Saturday's game as well. What else? Also, uh, before Saturday, we should be chatting with assistant coach Brian Reema. So, check that out on besotted.com or or just check us out on all our socials as well. Hopefully we'll be talking to assistant coach Brian Reema. Also, don't forget Besotted Reloaded Part 1 and 2, the 88-89 FA Cup quarter-final cup run podcast with Alan Cochran. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Check it out. It's available now. Evergreen, as they say. So if you're going on a bit of a drive, you're trying to get yourself out of the house for a bit, just take it out, put it on. It's an absolutely brilliant podcast with Alan Cochrane. It's got Terry Evans. It's got Richard Goodair. It's got Steel Smiley on it. It's got um, Steve Perriman. It's got loads of players on there. Gary Blissett, plus loads of fans as well. And I can't believe it. Two part already. And we're going to make it a part three. And the part three should be out at the weekend. 
well and one little call as well when you hear this the day that you hear this just go to besotted.com forward slash awards and please vote for us at the football content awards where we'll be nominated for the best podcast and that's the last day so thursday the 18th at twenty three fifty nine, just before midnight that is when the, the the poll closes so vote for us best podcast at the football content awards laney gotta say what an absolute pleasure it was chatting with alan cochram uh for for all that time um, what an intelligent, what a what a lovely guy he is, and uh, yeah, hopefully he'll be more involved with Brentford going forward. I know he's doing his Brentford Penguins, his uh, his Down Syndrome team, and uh, he's going to be working with the uh, you know the football, um, the, the Brentford the Community Trust and the football club in the new stadium. So hopefully. Uh, he'll be as I said more involved and we'll see a lot more of him yeah it's, it's, it's intelligent I mean he's, he's at Cambridge University isn't he yeah he is and you know he's just lovely to, to kind of hear that he had a uh, you know a career in the fire brigade after football and he's having another career his third career after the fire brigade and he's you know he's coaching um, the the Cambridge University team and he's you know he's been all around the states with Gary Blissett um, and Keith Jones and Keith Jones yeah so you know the, the, the Brentford connection lives lives on and uh, shows you what a special clubhouse is it does indeed so look we're sitting here it's in the garden I've done a little bit of a tester for Saturday as well I've you know want to make sure all the equipment's working right so I've bought the TV out the, the smaller TV this time we'll get the bigger TV out later you know when we've got a few characters around they make sure that they you know they can actually see the screen you know we've got the wire that's come from uh, from the room here we've got the skybox out and we're sitting here watching Aston Villa versus Sheffield United it's the first game of the restart of the football season as well and we've been sitting down here we've watched the the, the build up to it we've watched you know Dean Smith talking about that talking about his father we also watched both teams actually take the knee as well you know for Black Lives Matter they've both got Black Lives Matter on the back of their shirts as well which is really poignant um, as well as you could see I mean I did an interview with Charlotte MLS which is the Charlotte MLS team, um, their new new franchise team, which is starting up in an America. And we were just talking about a lot of issues. And they're really interested in the fact that how come in the UK we have really taken um, on board what had happened in America um, with the whole Black Lives Matter um, situation over there and the, the ensuing riots that's happened. And also the, the fact that there has been protests in the UK and all other places. Again, we're not going to go into it too deep on this podcast now because this is uh, we're talking football we're talking the restart but like I say to you I just think it's very very interesting how all of a sudden a few switches have been turned in the UK and all over the world because of what happened in America there are reasons for it and it was like putting fire to the paper and it's just burned and it's going on all over the place and I think what's also very interesting today Brentford have launched their video which you see as they say as a club we stand against racism and discrimination we continue to work towards our goals the togetherness and unity and it's got a load of players it's got a load of staff it's got a load of fans in there which are basically saying that we are one team one family one club racism we're not having it we knock it out we've had all sorts of bits and pieces at Brentford that have not been too clever over the past years I've been going to Brentford for 40 years and all through that time we've had not too good things happening back in the 70s back in the 80s back in the 90s and even now and I think it's good the club and the fans are pulling together to say we're not having it anymore 
absolutely. Very strong message from Brentford Football Club today. Um, sometimes those messages aren't quite loud enough for, for some people to hear. Um, today's uh, message by the, the management and, and all the players and the fans is uh, it's, it, it doesn't need explaining. It's uh, you know if you if you if you if you think black lives don't matter, then you've got no place at Brentford Football Club. And I I, I completely agree. You, you know the, the the message, the diverse makeup of our community and the diverse makeup of our squad and our team and and the staff that that, that work for Brentford Football Club. Um, you know we, we're we're thankfully not not sat here with a, a 70s mindset or things that were acceptable back then they're not acceptable now and if you think they are you're wrong yeah just we've sat here and just watched it literally last 10 minutes and uh it, it struck such a chord with uh with me anyway i mean it's uh you know there's there's, there's it's much more than uh you know what's going on at the moment it's wider it's anti-discrimination it's about equality it's about everyone being um you know welcoming and tolerant of the the, the, the wide variety of people who play for our club, who, who come and support our club from from all, all corners of, of Europe and beyond, and uh, you know, well worth a watch. So I really recommend it. It is indeed. And like I said, they've just shown it again. They've done a recap of it on the Villa versus Sheffield United match as well as they take their water break. So, you know, like I said, these images are going. I mean, this is like, this is possibly like going to be one of the sort of most watched football matches, you know, this one and probably Brentford at the weekend. So this it's. This is all around the world. This is beamed all the way around the world. And, you know, it's going to make some people feel very uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, say la vie. That is so. But anyway, coming back to this match. What is interesting, because like I said, we sat down here, we've seen the the pre-commentary, you know, obviously, obviously the commentators are standing sort of kind of two, three metres apart in an empty stadium. And like I said to you, the things that sort of struck me, first of all, is uh, the banners around Aston Villa. They've made sure that they've made up all the banners to sort of try and sort of kind of make sure that the space in the seats are uh, you know it doesn't you can't see all the empty seats in the bottom tier so they've got you know part of the pride you know we saw our buddies as well villains together which are the asian fan group from aston villa who are a really good bunch of blokes i saw their flag actually was actually shown on the tv very early on as well like i said to you just loads of ut you know utv um and their their flags down the bottom there which i think okay that's cool it just gives a little bit of a vibe as well people dotted around the stadium we're not quite sure who they are obviously there's production staff from tv there's substitutes who uh and there's staff from the club as well but you know that i don't know there's probably i mean that's a big stadium it's what 30,000 stadium probably even more 40 or 45,000 stadium there's probably a good 500 600 people inside that stadium dotted around all over the place because uh, they can do it um social distance wise so <laughs> i wonder how you got the lucky pass to get in i mean what sort of caught your view when you were watching this sort of, you know first of all because this is the first English match which has been played social distancing yeah well it's just it's just horrible to see isn't it you know it's just it, it, it shows what a what a crazy you know world we've been living in for the last three months four months and uh, you know how you know if, if you've not been an actual victim um, physically of the disease you know I think every everyone's lives been affected by this in some way and a lot of us you know going to be affected in some way that we probably don't know about even now you know um, but football has, has kind of gone on pause for, for throughout this and uh, you know fans not being allowed in for these last nine games is probably you know so, you know we, we're gonna have to just go with it um it's, it's it's not a situation that anyone's really particularly happy with but you know we've been saying this consistently that the season needs to finish it needs to finish 
to its natural conclusion in terms of games and then hopefully the close season can be as short as possible and by the time we restart again September, October, whenever whenever that might be, then we're allowed to do that with, with fans or a certain number of fans, whether it's season ticket holders only, or I don't know how they're going to work it out, but I'm hopefully, you know, this no fans in ground is something that we don't see again in our lifetime. Other than the, the knee that we saw earlier on, before the match, what else has sort of kind of caught your eye in this match, Darren? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I think we've all kept a little eye on the, the Korean league start-up, the, uh, the German league start-up and, and other parts around the world. And it hasn't really, hasn't felt real for me until seeing it now in our own backyard. Um, you know, we're watching it here with the, uh, the, kind of the, the, the crowd, the fake, the FIFA 20, you know, crowd noise pumped in and uh, it's adding a little bit to the atmosphere, as you said as well, with the visuals around the outside. It's not quite, you know, the kind of baying crowd, but, you know, there's, you get a sense of presence in the in, in the ground, albeit, you know, small scale. Um, the pre-match rituals, you know, the lack of shaking hands, it all feels a little bit, I don't know, contrived when you then have players going in, you know, hard on each other with, with social distancing out, out out the window. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm just really pleased to see football back, um, especially because, you know, Brentford were doing so well this season. It's uh, it, it's It's got a lot of promise to it. And it's going to be really interesting, this, this project restart and this run-in for us, because we're playing the game under a lot of very different different circumstances to what would normally have happened uh, between the kind of March and May period. Indeed. So listen, we're going to come back to this in a minute, or we're going to come back to the game in a minute. We'll talk about other stuff, but look, we've got so many things to talk about in this podcast here. We're going to have a little break. I'm probably going to go in and catch myself another little drink. Laney will probably bore himself another little beer, you know. And Darren, I don't know what you're doing in the corner there, mate, but you know, like I said to you, beer, lady. that's right. So we've got it all sorted here. We'll come back afterwards and we're going to talk about, well, we've had a few friendlies and uh, some, some went our way and some didn't quite go our way. We'll talk about this after the break. So in the last week, Brentford have played quite a few pre-season friendlies. And the first one that caught everybody's eye is their little trip down to uh, the Emirates Stadium where they took on Arsenal. Um, and uh, they put out a team. Like I said, two teams. The first half, like I said to you, no one knew what it was going to be like because obviously this is their first game back for three months. They've been obviously training at home. They've been, you know, training at home and, and they've obviously had their fitness programs that have been giving them to their, their coaches, but no one's had any idea what they're going to be like coming against people like, you know, Lacazette and all these people, but they did really well. I mean, the first half, the team was Raya, Dalsgaard, Jansen, Sorensen, Thompson, Marcondes, Norgard, Jensen, Valencia, Watkins and Ben Rama. So quite a strong side with a few kind of, you know, second string players thrown in there, probably just to balance it out and give them a game. You know, most notably was a Sorensen who actually played the full 90 minutes minutes he did as well and also Thompson who played in that half on the, on the left hand side and obviously he's trying to get him up to speed because you know we've got one left back which is Henry but if Henry has to come out at any time you know Thompson needs to get some time under his belt so giving him some time there was actually quite good and also he had Marcondes in that uh, in that in there as well which I thought was quite quite interesting so you know uh, Marcondes and Valencia as well Bumo actually didn't play that game I don't know if he had a bit of a niggle they probably thought let's just hold him back for one game so that was it and in the first half we uh we did we did we did all right actually didn't we you know I don't, I don't know if you saw the, the highlights of the game Laney yeah well the the 
my impression from the highlights of the game was the, the Brentford goals were just <laughs> out of the top draw. You know, um, there was rumours all over the place of what the actual scores were during during the game. Um, you know, I, I got a couple of Arsenal mates from the Arsenal books that I've been publishing, and they said, "Oh, oh yeah, we know we got someone someone who's there," and they they said certain scores, and they ended up being wrong. Um, I thought we, you know, we all thought we lost three two, then we won three two. But you know, you can't take anything other than a positive away from that. Uh, you know, Arsenal fielded a, a strong team. They've got a, 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 a squad that should wipe the floor with us, even with all the promising talent that we've got. So um, to come away from that, from our kind of first team, first match against opposition, was was pretty impressive. Um, we followed that up with with kind of less less impressive games, which we'll come on to. But uh, um, coming up, coming up, you know, that, that is a shot in the arm. Going, going to the Emirates and beating Arsenal is nothing other than a shot in the arm. I mean, absolute shot in the arm. I mean, the fact is that we th- three goals were scored. We beat Arsenal 3-2. Um, but it was the quality of the goals which actually really got me. And also, not only the quality, but the players who scored them. Because, you know, everyone keeps talking about our BMW, you know, Ben Rama, Watkins and Bumo. But um, they didn't get on the score sheet, and actually, in any of the friendlies. The scorers were Fossu. Uh, Dervis Soglu and Baptiste, which I thought was very interesting because those are three players that actually joined us in January. And these are three players, if any other team scouting us, they'll have no idea really about these guys at all, you know, except for maybe Bielsa, who's probably sort of spied on him in his, his bedroom window, like you know what I'm saying. But other than that, you know, these three players. So, and, and f- you know, I, I find that quite interesting. In particular, Fosu is quite interesting because um, obviously we thought, you know, Canos, we thought he might be back, but still, you know, he's he's not match fit. So to have a, a winger or have another winger in the fold, we've been lacking somebody, a wide player who's actually going to be running at players, going to be causing problems. And Fosu, I mean, he started the game, and he also we'll talk about the other games as well. He came on as well, but he seems to be a player who I think is going to actually feature quite heavily in our plans from a from a tactical point of view because I think he's a player that he's not you just bring him on because you're like oh no we've got to bring a player on because just uh you know 70 minutes and the other players are tired we bring him on I think that if we're going to bring him on we bring him on because they think that he can actually do damage he's fast he's played in the league he played in division one for Oxford who are decent sider in the playoffs now the team that he's playing for where and he's not there you know so you know half decent side so he knows how to you know he knows the game and I think that we are very happy that we've had an extra three months for him to develop to understand the patterns of play understand exactly um, what he needs to do and I think that he's going to probably cause teams a few more problems than people reckon. Well, I think I think you're right. I think Fosu and Baptiste, um, when, when they came in on, on transfer deadline, um, I, I, I think that we were we were kind of going to mothball them for next season, or that or they were being brought in to be replacing for players that we thought may be going out on, on transfer deadline day as well. But that's you know that's that's not the case whatsoever. And well, I think everyone's been a little bit surprised how much you know game time that they 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 had. Um, and uh, you know Valencia is the other, another one. I, I, I think that he's featured quite heavily in, in, in all of the you know the friendlies in the build-up. So uh, you know it's going to there might be a few surprises. You know as you say, everyone's expecting BMW to be the you know the, the headline grabbers always, and it shows you that we're their squad's a little bit deeper than that. And in many ways, that takes the pressure off BMW actually to perform, you know, and uh, produce the goods every single game. I think, as we were saying, the, um, the the two lads from Oxford coming in, 
probably thinking about you know reinforcements the run-in actually they've now had the benefit of three months to really kind of bed in albeit in very different circumstances to what they would have expected um the strength and depth thing is going to play a factor as well uh, coming to you know project restart uh five subs now sort of three um you know teams with big squads you know big expensive assembled squads are going to be are going to play in that sort of maximum and it is important we give you know as many of our uh, b teamers or reserve team players you know more of a run out than they would get you know playing the fa cup for example so good that we've been playing them in these games you know i know the the luton game we'll come on to in a second was was more of a kind of b team reserve team sort of lineup but you know i'm not worried about the results you know i came away from the arsenal game thinking yes this is it you know really really potty for it it got me out of my um lockdown funk i have to say <laughs> with no football one we beat arsenal at the emirates obviously you've got to put into context you know saying all that positives arsenal have been training a bit longer than us ready for a restart you know sooner than us just slapped I think it was Cholton, 6-0 before they played us. And we went up there and beat them 3-2. Uh, you know, a lot of positive to take from, from the pre-season already. Uh, pre-season to the project restart, I should say. And uh, giving, giving all these boys game time and some of them already stepping up to the mark. That's right. I mean, and putting it in perspective, again, got to talk about the Baptiste goal. I thought he well taken goal from Baptiste and it's the kind of thing that you expect from him. He scored a very similar goal against, I think it might have been West Ham in the Cup. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might have been West Ham in the Cup where he took the ball and he did his little shimmy and then he just put his shoulder down and just whacked it from wherever it was, put the ball in the back of the net. And for me, I think that's, again, that's really exciting because he's a player, from what I can gather, he, when he gets the ball players find it hard to get the ball off of him as well you can see kind of his close ball control and the way that he kind of can get his way around players so I think this is really exciting but also what's more it's all what's all oh it's a goal is that a goal? Oh, God, you know, sorry. Ashton Villa, goalkeeper, almost went into his own net there, you know. But um, but like I said to you, you know, so, so Baptiste, I think he's really, a really good player and he's seen as a good player. But also what is interesting is I think the way that the team is, and we'll probably talk about a bit later what we think our first team is going to be, Baptiste doesn't seem to be a starter to me. He seems to be a player that's going to be coming off the bench, like Fossu. We seem to have our set 11 players who are going to be, you know, your players like, you know, your, your Pontus Janssen, your Ethan Pinnocks, your, your Henry out wide, your, your Dalsgaard, your Norgaard, your Jensen, you know, your 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 Watkins, your, your Ben Rama, you know, so... Uh, I was trying to say that Baptiste isn't a starter. So he's a player that's going to be coming up and making an impact. And, and what a player to bring off the bench to make an impact because again part of the problem that we used to have before when you put took a player off the bench to make an impact there's a little bit like a oh okay right you didn't, but it's exciting when when a player like him comes off a player like Fosu comes off you actually think they're actually going to make a difference so you, you so you think that the um the subs have, have w- normally would weaken the team you you, you, don't, you think like they're we're we're not a lot stronger than the first 11. The first 11 is the strongest team and anyone coming on from that is kind of not quite as good. Is that what you're saying? No, well, again, normally for us, because again, it's, it's about strength and depth and we've always talked about this. I mean, we're saying that our bench is getting stronger. When everyone saw that, oh, Aston Villa, I've just noticed the fans around the edges. I'm not sure what's going on there, but there the seems to be sort of... I don't know if it's live Zoom or whatever the hell's going on here, but there's, there seems to be fans around the advertising hoardings at Aston Villa and they're sort of jumping up and down and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, and and it's, 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 it might be a bit off-putting for the players, that, actually. They, I think they can't wait to get into the, the dressing rooms at half-time. Um, yeah, so that's what... Yeah, but... Um, 
it's a, it isn't about weakening players, and I just think that our strength and depth is bigger, is stronger now at the moment now. So we don't worry too much when we bring a player off the bench. You know, somebody like you know Marcondes who will come off the bench. You know, he went through a little bit of a bad time. You know, fans gave him a little bit of grief, but I think he's proven that he you know knows where the back of the net is, and he's a very confident player. And if anything, a game against Fulham with no fans where he's got no pressure on actually might be better for a player like Mark Condes who uh, you know probably needs a bit of a confidence boost if he's I could just show you what I do here and I'm going to put the ball in the back of the net for 30 yards that I do all the time yeah he's certainly not going to get any grief from from those fans that have singled him out um, you know I don't I'd be the first to admit he's, he's, he's not always shone but I, I you know I think there's there's been circumstances and there's he's got, since he's come back from his you know his uh, his, his kind of loan period in Denmark, I think, I think he's been, I think he's been great, and uh, you know, as you, as you say, he, he could be one to benefit from the lack of pressure coming from a few people shouting at him. The Watford game, slight difference. So Watford, we played Watford, and uh, the result didn't quite go the same. It was a two-nil loss. Um, goals were scored um, in the first half. I think it was probably in about sort of 10, 12 minutes of the first half. And then the second goal was scored in injury time of the second half. If you actually look at the game itself, actually, it was the score didn't quite reflect the game itself. Just to give you the team, first half team was Raya, Dalsgaard, Jansen. Um, actually, well, it wasn't the first half team. It was a team with a few subs coming in. So it's Raya, Dalsgaard, Jansen, Pinnock, Henry, De Silva, Norgaard, Jensen, Bumo, Watkins and Ben Rama. So it's sort of quite a strong side there as well. Then Rakic came on for Janssen as well. Um, Baptiste came on for De Silva. And uh, Marcondes came on for Jensen. And Fossu came on for Mbumo. So you could see where the kind of, you know, the substitutions are lying. So that was sort of quite a strong team as well. And I'm looking here. Where is actually, um, where is, uh, Ben Rama? Did I say? Yeah, Ben Rama as well. Watkins and Ben Rama. So, so that was it. But the game was actually a lot more even. In the first half... Watford had, you know, pretty much control, and the, but the goal we gave them, it was like the parting of the waves. You know, they picked up a ball in midfield. I don't know what happened to the defence. There, there's no one in midfield or sort of kind of on him. The defenders seemed to sort of kind of just just part, and they allowed him to take this 30-yard shot. Great goal, to be fair. Um, and he scored a goal from that. But then after that, in the second half. Brentford very much came back into it, and they're actually on top of the game, and they actually had control of the game. Um, and like I said to you, it's interesting. The commentator actually commented that, you know, Brentford are almost trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, which is something that we've probably heard quite a few times. So yeah, good chances, good opportunities. It was a couple of overly familiar things that happened, like backing off and letting someone shoot from distance and it coming to a goal. That happened again. Um, and then Rico Henry kind of chesting the ball back to the goalkeeper in the last, right in the last seconds. And then their player nipping in and scoring the second goal. You know, we, we've seen all these silly mistakes uh, several times and let's hopefully um, let's hope they've got it out of their system and uh, they don't do it at Fulham because we just need to be properly properly on our A game at Craven Cottage on Saturday Again you made the point earlier you've got to remember that these teams are at least two weeks ahead of us in their training ahead of their fitness and from what I can gather the coaching staff are actually really happy with uh, where we are now at the moment now especially against Arsenal they thought that they looked really fit they looked really up for it they thought it was actually a really you know the team was, was, was in a really good place and I think one of the questions that a lot of people are asking they're thinking you know how can they if they're in their garden in their house you know how are you sure that they had you know that they'd done the right thing 
How are you sure that they've done the right training? How are you sure that they're up to scratch? Yeah, how are you sure about that? But the club, you know, from what I can gather, um, and, you know, sort of chatting to a few people and a few people in the coaching staff, they're like, listen, you have to remember that these are professional footballers. This is what they do. You know, you, we're at the situation now where it might, you know, may not be the same as it was five, six, seven years ago where you had to be on the players to be fit and, you know, eating the right food and doing all the right stuff. But now the, the players that we've got in are a completely different set of footballers, different, different set of mentalities. So to actually get them to actually be fit and be trained, they want to be like that. So we don't actually have to force them to do it. So and when I heard that, I never thought about that. And I thought, actually, that is so true. So... You, you, you know, we've we got a set of professionals who know how to get themselves ready for the game. Definitely. And, uh, you know, against two Premier League teams, like you say, you know, a couple of weeks ahead of us in their preparation, what, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't want to be too complacent or big-headed about it, but they, they, these teams have accepted a friendly with Brentford. You know, they, they consider opposition like Brentford to be good opposition in, pre- in preparation for a Premier League season, playing against the, the best, the creme de la creme of, of you know, what's, what's going on. And obviously... For Brentford to play up to that level, that's that's brilliant. I mean, the main thing is not to take too many negative points away from you know losing to Watford because they're in the Premier League. We're we're, we're Brentford, all right. We, we had a good result against Arsenal. We've we've actually I like the fact that we have this reputation that we're going to give teams like that a good game, and we did in both cases. And that secondly, um, for us and for our players, you know, the likes of Baptiste and Fosu and all the others that we spoke about before, they've never played against a level of opposition like this apart from in, in one-off, you know, cup games and all the rest of it. So this is like becoming the new normal for them, you know, as part of their training regime and as part of getting ready for, for the championship. And it will be a curtailed um, preparatory period as well for, for whatever happens next season. So already getting into that mindset of playing against quality opposition wherever we go you know championship whether we go up or, or, or stay where we are um, I, th- I think it's only a good thing you know full testaments to the club for arranging these these, these friendlies against that kind of calibre of opposition I think the obviously having the B team structures really helps with the, that networking you know to, to pull off three very very tricky you know obviously the first one's the, the highest profile but as a test of your squad I think that's a perfect mix there you've obviously got Arsenal with their world class players you've got Watford with some really standout quality individuals and you've got Luton that are you know going to really be roughing it up to, to some of those BT, um, A team light players in, in, our, in our Brentford team I think there's a th- three very good tests there so uh, you know and I'm hearing I don't know if this is true you can't you know this that Fulham haven't played a 90 minute game against anyone and whether they've chosen that I don't I don't know but I wouldn't imagine that's out of choice um, you know and we've had three very very good uh, standard games to, to test every single person that's in contention and that's true I mean I've seen the Fulham fans actually complaining the fact that they haven't actually played any matches um, against other people and they're watching what we're doing. Not saying what we're doing is right or wrong, but I think, you know, the fear is at least, you know, we're getting a run out. Even if we got beaten 4-0 by Arsenal, you're getting a run out against a team who, you know, you can actually put your rights wrong. Um, and it's like we talked about training games. You know, you can play as many training games as possible. as You can play as many B-team games as possible. You can play as many academy games as possible. But nothing's the same as like when Brentford B-team go out against, you know, against Dulwich Hamlet or go up against Wingate and Finchley in the sort of kind of the senior London senior cup or whatever it may be they go out there and it's blood and thunder because it's a proper match and it's completely different and uh, these aren't okay necessarily 
um, the first, first team matches and competitive matches, but I suppose it's one step up from just playing another training game. Yeah, of course. You know, um, there's no look. It's like we're only going to find out who had the best strategy and the best approach to, to Saturday's fixture when the game's finished on on Saturday. You know, we, we we could have played a million games against other teams, and if Fulham win one nil, then you know they they were better prepared. You could argue, but I think you know you're always going to get a harder game against someone that's got a different badge on their shirt. You know, you you playing the the A team versus the B team, attack versus defence. Yeah, you're going to get a competitive game. You're going to get you're going to get niggle. You're going to get players that want to perform and impress, but. Nothing more than uh, you know, Arsenal players trying to impress Arteta. Nothing more than uh, Luton players trying to force their way into uh, the team for their new manager. No, n- nothing more than than Watford players that are on the fringe trying to get minutes, um, either to to prove that they are Premiership quality or get a move in the summer. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of stake, and you only get that when you're playing teams from from other clubs. So. Playing, playing your A team versus the B team. Yeah, it might get you fit. I'm not sure it's going to give you the edge. Um, and if you haven't played 90 minutes, or you haven't played 90 minutes more than once, I'm not sure three months off is going to prep you for for the, you know the combat is a, that is a West London derby on Saturday. Luton. We went to Luton again. We went to Kenilworth Road and we lost 4-2 after going ahead twice in that game. Again, we're looking at the team that played. Uh, interesting team this one we had Daniels in goal we had Ruslev Janvier Rakic Thompson Baptiste Mococho Marcondes Fossu De Vesoglu and Valencia and we had Sorensen coming on for Janvier we had Zamberic coming on for Mococho we had Yearwood coming on for Macondes and we had Hammer coming on for Fossu. So if you see that team, and again, I'm not trying to disrespect the players there as well, but it was kind of like, you know, as Laney says, a team light or, you know, or, or, or a say second string team, but it's our players that add to our first stream squad. Obviously, they're part of the first stream squad, but they're not players that are necessarily 100% first choice players. So they play them all pretty much for the whole of that match to get a run out against a side who are A, in our league, be, are going to be battling to try and get out of relegation see if they've got a new manager in Nathan Jones who's going in there is going to flip things up so it's never going to be an easy match so they're obviously trying to get a run out for these players because they're going to be playing some part in the next nine games or it might be 10 or 11 or 12 games you know they're going to be playing some part so it's very important to get them a run out um, especially as the fact like I said to you we have got up to five subs that can be used. I think there's nine players allowed on the bench and we could use up to five subs in three separate periods that you could bring substitutes on for. So the talk is, like I said, and we talked about this briefly last week, there could be a bit of a turnaround of players on the pitch uh, for all the matches. So it's good to get these players to have a run out and like it's good to know how deep your squad is. But for me, again, with Luton, when we lost against them, of course you've got the disappointment thinking, oh no, we've won one and we lost two matches. But the most um, encouraging thing, again, was the fact that Fosu and Bapti- no, Dervisoglu, I think it was. So it's Fosu and Dervisoglu again scored the goals uh, against Luton, which for me, again, the two guys that came in in January scored two goals. And as long as they're contributing and they know where the back of the net is, I think that's really encouraging. It's habits, isn't it? You know, he's... Divisoglu scored two goals in in two games there, and uh, you know you, you want him to be pushing and and 
forcing his name to be contending for a, for a start. And you, you, we just don't know how this season, the rest of the season, is going to pan out. You know, if, if, if all being well, we're going to need him to come off the bench and, and, and score. If, if all doesn't go well, then we might be mothballing the BMW for the summer and, and, and playing him more ready for next season. He, he, he might get a, a bigger a bigger amount of minutes under his belt than uh, than than he expects. But uh, you know, he obviously hasn't come here just to you know just to kind of cruise. He's he's here to 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 make his mark and to make his name like like everyone else that comes to Brentford to use it as a stepping stone. Okay, so it's half time here at Villa Park. It's nil all. So they've gone off to the dressing rooms, and we are going to go off to our dressing rooms as well. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to go down there, have a little drink. We're going to do whatever we have to do. Then we're going to come back, and we're going to have a little talk about transfers. So we're back. It's actually the second half just started, and like I said to you, you would know this by now. But <laughs> amazing, the goal that we thought was a goal that wasn't given a goal, and uh, and apparently wasn't given a goal because they forgot to turn on the technology, which would have said it was a goal. Uh, but everyone knew it was a goal, so I don't know why the referee didn't say it was a goal. It's very, very bizarre. So uh, there's a lot of unhappiness in the Sheffield United camp at the moment now. And uh, like I said to you, just goes to show. It's interesting because there's no crowd to have sort of swayed the referee. I mean, if, if obviously the Sheffield United fans would have gone, ah, oh, that's a goal. No one to sway the referee there at all. And talking about crowd as well, yeah, like I said to you, we said a bit earlier about the crowd noise. So they've got the FIFA, um, what's it, two, probably to, to 2020, whatever it may be, FIFA 20 crowd noise is being pumped through and looking at the comments on social and online. Some people are loving it because they're thinking, you know, it sounds better than an empty stadium with uh, just players and, the, 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 you know, the, the, the coaches and everyone sort of shouting at each other. Um, and it gives a little bit of an atmosphere, even though there's no one in the stadium and you know it's not real. And other people are absolutely hating it. And I talked about the fact that I'd seen this crowd noise thing, you know. I've seen the crowd noise thing <laughs> earlier at the, uh, at the Korean game. And for me, I just thought it was all right because it just, it just does something in your head. You sort of think, oh, it's got a football vibe about it. And, OK, you can't see the fans, but it still feels like there's something there. So for me, I've got no problem with it. And I think you're, you're all right as well, aren't you? Well, if you don't like it, turn it off. That's, 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 that's the first thing you can do. And um, I, I want the you're not fit to referee sample uh, after that mistake because no, no one's got that. And the booing... The, the linesman's getting off lightly. I think that's the, I think that's the problem with this, isn't it? Because it's all you can see. You said the banners, yeah, the banners are all being sort of kind of vetted as well. You know, at football clubs all around the ground, they know it's going to be on TV. So you know, normally you go inside there and you put whatever banners, not whatever banners, because there's certain banners that certainly shouldn't be allowed at football matches. You know, but you know you've got the banners up there. But now you know you've got their advertising hoardings and all sorts of stuff is vetted. But also the noises are uh, are vetted. Whereas, so you're not actually going to get the sort of kind of sounds on Sky saying, um, um, uh, "I apologise back at home if you uh, if you." <laughs> but saying that, they've had to apologise back at home because they can hear the swearing from the people on the bench. That's what's been happening in the German games and uh, and other games as well. So you know they kind of it both ways. They might as well have just you know made it a little bit more real and put a little bit more kind of X-rated sort of stuff on, on the tannoy. Yeah, on the tannoy. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pay, pay good money for my my, my subscription. That's right. I mean, and, and we talked about this as well. I mean, uh, it's quite funny when Aston Villa I think came near to a goal and all of a sudden I think they uh, the person who's uh, on the on the the ones and twos pressed the hey the sort of the goal celebrations of noise it's like oh no you, you went a bit early then and we're just wondering exactly what's happening you know the dj has a dj got sort of like you know has he got a sort of a 
I don't know what's he got. Has he got a sampler? You know, where he's sort of got all these different sample sounds that he's pulling up and pressing, pressing them. You know, how is he actually kind of controlling it, or is it sort of kind of you know like Big B Radio, where he has to keep slipping in different CDs for different noises? Like you know, saying it's like, oh no, they're on the attack now, and he's sort of putting CD seven. Like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it'd be oh, quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, they yeah. probably you know this is probably something that they didn't think through when they sort of kind of uh, were planning this season, Aston Villa. The advertisers would have uh, definitely gone for a. You should have gone to Specsavers after that uh, disallowed goal for, from the referee. I mean, God, that was uh, that was a bit of a joke, wasn't it? That was that was. But listen, coming back to this section here, because we weren't really talking about crowd. We were talking more about one player who is for Brentford, who is a player that we all love, very very skillful player, and we thought it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about this podcast but the fact that there are rumours quite heavy rumours flying around that Chelsea are interested in Ben Rama and the rumours are that they have actually opened talks with Ben Rama I don't know how how possible it is to open talks you know unless you've actually kind of talked to the, the club and the club's agreed a fee and everything like that so I think there might be a little bit of uh, uh, bullshit, yeah, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, that's right involved Zoom in that bombing. but it still doesn't stop the fact that as we know even though you're not officially meant to talk I'm sure that you know maybe his agent spoken to their agent and this agent and that and they've tried to put things into place and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea had come in for him because obviously Lampard knows Ben Rama from his time in the championship Lampard if anybody is a, is a manager who'd probably take more risks because Ben Rama even though he's a great player there's a lot of managers especially in that league that wouldn't take a risk with him you know he's Algerian he's he, he's very skillful he's you know he's he, he's I'd say he's not a luxury player at all but he's a player that you know um, some teams will think you know maybe a bit of a risk can he do it in the Premier League you know he you know, he does it for Brentford but then afterwards he gives the, he gives the ball away quite a lot you know the things that he does great are, are brilliant you know he does the flicks and the spins but then if they, if they actually watch his game they're also getting you know parts of his game he still needs to develop where he isn't quite on it and who's going to be willing to actually kind of you know take him on board you know someone like Eddie Howe probably is a, is a manager who would do and I think someone like Frank Lampard might be a manager that would do as well so I think that these rumours are there's something in it most definitely but the question is that you know I'll not be funny our season's not even finished yet and the transfer window hasn't even opened yet so it's a little bit early to be talking about that and who says that nobody else is going to be interested in Ben Rama because he is a very very good player yeah, he's not going to be short of suitors. Let's be honest. He just needs to obviously, if if he if he is going to go, um, he obviously needs to go to the right kind of football club where he gets an opportunity. You know, you could argue that does he really care? You know, he's going to get a massive pay rise, and he'll he'd be quite happy to sit on the bench. But I think he's too good a player to 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 have that mindset. I think I think he could fit into almost any club in the Premier Division that plays football. You know, it's not. You know, it's not to. And, and I, if I say the words Man City, don't laugh at me. You know, he, he could go there and do a job. I'm not saying he's a week in, week out, and 90 minutes, but he's he's good enough to to play a part in that team. Um, he, he's certainly good enough to be at Arsenal, and he's, I think he's certainly good enough to be at Chelsea. Um, he just needs to make sure he doesn't go to a team that just come in for him like a Sheffield United. And that's not knocking Sheffield United. It's just they're not going to get the best out of him. So. Uh, you know, I, I think he needs to be careful. He's obviously going to go. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's no point in us pretending he's not. And uh, he, he almost went this time last year. So it's, 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 there's something inevitable about his departure. 
um, I just think and hope that he, he makes the right move. It's interesting you talk about Arsenal because when we were playing Arsenal, again, the view from the stats people, and I keep saying this, but a lot of people, oh, they think, oh, stats people, what do they know? But the fact is that they've got their little charts, and they're, they're little, they watch the games the whole time. And what they were saying when Brentford played Arsenal as well, and I think people within the Brentford camp as well, they were saying, well, we're playing Arsenal and we've beaten them and we've done really well. And I know it's only a friendly and everyone's remarking, going, oh, what a great result. But they said, but the reality is that even though we are divisions apart between us, the reality with the quality of the players that we've got and where we are punching for promotion as well and where Arsenal are, who are kind of like, you know, languishing sort of mid-table in the, in the Premier League at the moment now there's actually not that much difference between us because in the Premier League, you've got the players at the top, the teams at the top who are doing really well and then you've got some teams at the bottom who are really, really quite bad who are probably, well, not probably, they are worse than teams in the top six in our division. Okay, if they're pitted against them, and then you've got the, just the rest of the league. So they were saying that, you know, if we were to go in when we we're top of our game going into the Premier League, to be quite honest with you, when you're talking about between number eight and number sort of kind of 16, 17, or 18, there's not much difference between those teams. You see some of those teams, one times they're eight, then they go down. And so the fact is that for us to actually kind of go neck to neck against Arsenal, is probably not that unusual and the, probably the difference between us and them is the quality of the strikers again you know when they get the ball bang they put the ball in the back of the net I think that is the difference between the teams but you know as, as it comes between us is there isn't that much uh, of a difference yeah and you know back to Ben Rama you know I think Chelsea is an interesting one because you know Lampard, you know, was at Derby last season. He saw Ben Rama tear them apart. You know, he's, he he knows what Ben Rama's about. He's got that background of bringing players like Billy Gilmore, you know, but but also the Lonies who, who did the job for um, Derby last season. You know, like some Mason Mount and you know um, others. Tammy Abraham, you know, did did a job in the Championship. If anything, I think Chelsea have got probably a bit of a, a sales job on uh, Ben Rama and his representatives, um, and who would turn down Chelsea. But a sales job in terms of I will help you br- bridge that gap between the Championship and the Premier League and turn you into a very good player and put you on a very high pedestal in, in a very high-profile environment. So, you know, I think we've done well to hold on to Ben Rama for as long as we have. Um, he's been through some personal difficulties, and the club has, has seen him through those, and he's, he's shown loyalty um, to use that word. Um, to to the club uh, by not going in the January transfer window so let's make the most of Ben Rama's talents and and all he has to offer now in in these last nine games or so and um, if he moves on and we got a good fee for him and he goes on to a club where he can prove himself you know to be a a top top player the Algerian Messi then fair play to him I'm gonna I'll I'll throw something into the pot here because we're saying he's gonna go and obviously the players like Watkins who's probably you know he might score 30 goals this season and the presumption is he's gonna go but I'm gonna throw into the pot as well that if if and obviously this is a you know still big if because we've got nine games to play plus maybe another three if Brentford actually get promoted I think that this kind of definite these players are going to move on is a different story altogether because at the end of the day yes we all of a sudden we're playing in a different part people like Watkins loves it at Brentford we've developed him he's playing Premier League football what's he going to do is he going to move from Brentford to go to Bournemouth or kind of Watford or you know Crystal Palace you know he might as well stay with us you know and, and work for a little bit longer and maybe the same thing with Ben Rama as well so I think a lot hinges on what happens with us over the next nine to twelve games yeah you know clearly it, for, for us to be able to keep those kind of players we're going to have to 
completely blitz our, our wage ceiling. Um, you know, that's the reason that they're going to go. It's obviously, they, they don't just want to leave Brentford. It's, it's not. There's nothing wrong with our club. They just obviously want to go to the big time. If if we're in the big time, yeah, it it, it, it changes everything. Why, if if staying is an option rather than leaving is the only option, then then you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a chance of us holding on to to everyone. So with the season restarting on Saturday, we thought it might be good to have a refresher of exactly what is going down in the Championship. So we are going to call upon a Championship expert, Ryan Dilks from the excellent Second Tier Podcast. Ryan, how are you? I'm great, mate. How are you? I'm pretty good, actually. Tell you something, I'm smiling. I've got a bit of spring in my step. I can actually see the football light at the end of the tunnel. And it's amazing what a difference it makes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm past excited at this point. I'm ecstatic. I'm struggling to contain myself at the moment because of the thought that football is finally going to be back in our lives. The best league in the world is just a matter of days away after oh, three months now with it being out of our lives. I'm, I just can't wait. I honestly can't. And the thing about it is that initially, you know, you're sitting down there and you're thinking, like me and as a Brimford fan, you think, mm, OK, season is almost over. There's eight or nine games to go. The pundits were saying Leeds and West Brom, you know, signed, sealed and delivered. There they are, automatic promotion. The other four spots are pretty much almost sealed, probably only the final spot. Then we had this pandemic. Everything stops for three months and then we're back again. I'm wondering, you as the expert, do you think that is exactly the same way it's looking now or is it different? I think it is different. I think, as you mentioned, Leeds and West Brom are running away with it and it will take something extraordinary for that not to be the case. But with the rest of the places, I'd say Fulham, pretty secure, aren't they? But Forest, for example, they were really struggling before the whole lockdown happened. And if that if lockdown hadn't have happened, they'd probably be in with a good shout of maybe even falling out of the playoffs. So they have been quite fortunate that the season has paused and then they've had the chance to reset and start again. Brentford weren't doing too great before lockdown. They were missing Pontus Janssen, weren't they? And now that he's had the chance to recover from his injury and come back, I think Brentford will kick on and secure their place in the playoffs. The last spot, who knows? It's completely up in the air at the moment. Preston did look like they were in the driving seat, but it's incredibly close. There are about six teams who could easily nab that last spot. And it's incredibly hard to call because on their day, they're an incredible team. Every single one of those teams that's chasing that top six spot. But on their day, they're also very inconsistent. So where it goes, I have no idea at the moment. But I think I'll be very surprised if the playoffs aren't made up with at least Fulham, Brentford and Forest come the end of July. I mean, interesting, the stats, guys, and I know some people really hate the the thought of using stats, but the fact is it's there and you've got to use it. So you're talking about 538, you're talking about your your, your 361s and things like that. They have, Leeds and West Brom, you know, they've said 98%, 88% for promotion. So they've said it's very, very high on the promotion stakes for those two guys. But I'm just going to throw a little carrot in there. Um, You've got Fulham, who are four points behind West Brom. You've also got, uh, you know, Brentford playing Fulham. You've got West Brom playing Birmingham. You've got West Brom playing Brentford. 
you know, their first two matches are really crucial because if, if the results don't quite go according to plan, according to what everyone thought it was going to be, according to what the pundits were said it's going to be, you know, before the lockdown, everything just goes out the window, doesn't it? Well, of course, but when you look at the remaining fixtures, Leeds have surely got it in the bag. They've got, I think, Fulham to play and that's it out of the teams in the top six. So really, they should be fine, but... At the same time, we saw what happened with Leeds last season and it all went to pot. Um, Fulham is the interesting one because they have the best chance of catching the top two. But they've got to play Brentford, Forest, Leeds and West Brom. Cardiff as well. And Cardiff as well. So they have got it particularly tough. It's going to be... if they, I mean, if they won every game for the rest of the season, then even then they'd still be struggling to catch the other teams because West Brom and Leeds look so strong. And they're banking, really, on those two falling away. But I just can't see it happening, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, West Brom have got Birmingham, they've got Brentford, then they've got Derby, Fulham, and possibly Blackburn. I mean, I'm not doing a disrespect with any of the other teams that are playing, but you're looking at teams who might, you know, on paper, cause an upset at the moment now. But saying that on paper might cause an upset, because also, I'm just coming back to this, because it's the start of the season... The way that we've been looking at it on the podcast is all of a sudden you've got nine games to go. So it's almost like a mini World Cup. Mm. It's kind of like it's like the season has restarted again or the tournament has restarted again. And it's like, you know, out of the traps. There you go. You know, four weeks, just get on with it. So, again, anything can happen there because you've got games happening in a very short space of time. You know, you could have injuries happening. You could have all sorts of stuff happening as well, can't you? Yeah, well, it's quite quite interesting you say that, actually, because my co-host, Justin, who I do uh, the Second Tier podcast with, he said it's like a mini summer tournament. And it's right, really, because form has gone out the window. Leeds, were, they won like five games in a row, I think, just before lockdown happened. And then if that if that lockdown hadn't have happened, they probably would have run off with the league. But now their form has reset. I still think they will go up, but that's just an example of how... Everything is up in the air now. Who knows what's going to happen with these final five games? Nine games, sorry. That's right. And also, again, talking about the stats, guys, interestingly, we're talking about that final sixth place. I mean, Preston have been in there. You know, Preston would be fighting, holding on to that sixth place. But interestingly, you know, your 3-6-1s and your 5-38s have actually got Millwall sneaking into that last slot. What do you say about that? I tell you what, there's probably a very good reason why they've got that. Because Millwall have an incredibly kind run of games for the rest of the season. They they don't have to play any of the top six. I can't remember who their top ranked size is, side is that they've got to play, but they should be looking at their fixtures and be licking their lips. The thing is as well, in terms of the stats side of things, they have got an incredibly good expected goals and they probably should be looking higher in the league for where they deserve to be finishing. But Preston are the same. They've got... Uh, a very good expected goals measure as well. Uh, Bristol City, not as much. Their expected goals places them way down the table. Um, but if you're uh, if you're looking at the stats side of things, then Preston or Mirwall um, are probably the teams that you should be looking for, uh, possibly finishing in the top six. We're going to talk about relegation in a minute, but let's just come back to, because I think it's very important because it's going to affect both promotion and relegation. Normally, when it comes to the end of the season, we talk about teams who are on the beach. But we've had a three-month holiday now. So teams, some teams are not only on the beach. They're properly, they've got the, the, the towel out. They've got the inflatables out. You know, they've got the, the life boy. They're in the middle of the sea. I mean, we've got a serious, serious beach activity going with some teams. And that could really affect how things are happening in the league, can't it? 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, Billy, the phrase of a team's on the beach, I've always thought is a bit of a myth where really it plays into the team who have nothing left to it, it plays into their hands where if they've got nothing else to play for, because the pressure's off, you know, they, they can just go about how they usually do it and just try, you know, go for more risks, that kind of thing, really. But in this case, I think it's a bit different because, say, if you're a Reading or a Birmingham, for example, and you've got nothing else to play for for the rest of the season, you've got to remember these teams are having to get match fit again. So if you were, as a player, thinking to yourself, right, I've got to get motivated and match fit for the final nine games of this season when I've got nothing left to play for, would you really be as motivated as, say, a Leeds or a West Brom when you're trying to finish off getting promoted to the Premier League? I don't think you would. So I think in this case, the idea of a team being on the beach is possibly a much more realistic possibility than it, is, than it was in past seasons. Relegation. I mean, I think the relegation race is looking quite interesting. I mean, people had Barnsley down, people had Luton down, but, you know, all of a sudden Luton <laughs> brought in a new stroke, old stroke, new manager. OK, you know, so they've got um, Mr. Jones is back, you know, who's a guy that actually you guys really like as well. So, you know, he's back in the fold. So is there enough time for him to turn things around? Barnsley as well, who, to be quite honest with you, I actually put Barnsley down as actually avoiding relegation at the first day of the season because I just thought that they're they're good enough they play good enough football but you know defensively they've been a little bit shaky this season so whether or not they can do a few little tricks you know pull something massively out the bag we don't know but the Chelton's the one which is interesting because they just dropped in the last few weeks and they're looking a bit perilous yeah you're spot on uh, Nathan Jones coming back to Luton is a massive boost for them but the issue they've had throughout this whole season is that Luton's squad is not as good as the one that got promoted last season and I still struggle to see them really turning it around. They're probably looking ahead now to trying to bounce back in League One next season. Barnsley, on the other hand, they have been slowly improving all season, but the issue is they've not been improving quick enough. So I think, again, they're kind of in the same boat as Luton. I'll probably give Barnsley a better chance of staying up because going forwards, they are superb. Defensively, they're a bit of a shambles. But I think they could have a half decent chance of staying up it's a very minute chance but it's a chance nonetheless Charlton they have been obviously dealt a massive blow with the news that Lyle Taylor their top scorer and someone Brentford have been linked with quite a lot he's not going to play for them for the rest of the season now which is a massive blow because they were quite reliant at times on his goals other players such as David Davis and Chris Solly have decided they don't want to play either so their squad, which was already a bit threadbare, is even more threadbare than it was now. And, and they have got a few decent players here and there, but it might not be enough to keep them up. But they have been dealt a very nice hand with the fact that Hull have had a few um, players who have decided they don't want to play either. It, it, literally the, earlier today, they had Jackson Irvine, Eric Lehigh, uh, a couple of other players who I can't remember off the top of my head, have decided they don't want to play. Now, the Hull squad in itself is not great, but now they've lost four key players and now I think they could be in massive trouble as well. You're looking at Charlton and Hull, they look like they are in deep, deep trouble and it might just be a case of whichever, whichever team is worse. And that is quite, you know, quite an obvious thing to say when you talk about relegation, but really they're both two very poor teams. Now... When you look at the table, you've got Middlesbrough, Wigan, 
Stoke Huddersfield, who aren't too far from the relegation zone, but I think they're much better than Hull and Charlton. So I think it's going to between, be between those two teams to decide who goes down with Barnsley and Luton. Which will be quite amazing because, again, when we come back to the stats, guys, the 5-3-8s, the 3-6-1s, you know, they had Hull as being, OK, they're not great, but they said that Charlton are the one that are sort of pretty much dead cert. So I think this is almost like going against, you know, what the statisticians are saying, isn't it? That's true. Charlton at one point were having, you know, three or four shots a game and grabbing points. And it, it over the course of the season, you just can't rely on that. It will come back and bite you. Hull, on the other hand, they were looking quite good on the stats side of things. But then when you lose two key players in Kamal Grasicki and Jared Bowen, that's always going to have an effect no matter how good your stats are, especially when those two are, t- are so prolific in front of goal. They haven't managed to replace them. Tom Eaves, who's been their main striker for the majority of the season, hasn't really hit expectations. And then they haven't really got goals coming from elsewhere on the pitch. One of the other players who would get, grab them goals would be Jackson Irvine, but he's, as I mentioned, now gone. So they're going to really be struggling going forward. But as mentioned, Charlton are as well. So... It's really hard to call at the moment. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. So this mini World Cup, this mini summer tournament, what are you calling? Who's going to be your top two? Who's going to be your two playoff finalists? And who's going to win the playoffs? And also who is going to get relegated? It's boring, but I think Leeds and West Brom are going up. I can't see that not happening unless something extraordinary happens. The playoffs, I think it will be Fulham, Brentford, Forest, and then... The last one, I'm between Preston and Millwall, just because they do so well on the stats side of things and Millwall have a run of games, which is hard to ignore, who I think is going to win the playoffs. I'm not just pandering to the masses here. I think Brentford could very well get it just because they will have Pontus Janssen back now and that is going to be so important for them heading into the final few games of the season. They're going to grab momentum. I mean, the playoffs are a lottery, though, aren't they? So you never really know. It could even be, you know, the outsider in a Millwall or a Preston because all you've got to do is just perform well in three games and you could be in the Premier League. But I'm going to stick with Brentford. I think they will uh, be in the Premier League next season. And then who I think is going down, I honestly can't call it. Luton Barnsley, certs for me. Hull and Charlton. I'm tempted to go with Hull just because they were doing so badly before lockdown happened. But as you mentioned, it is a mini tournament. The season has kind of restarted, but you can't ignore how poor their squad's looking at the moment. Ryan Dilts, brilliant. That's been absolutely fantastic. Listen, how can they get hold of you? Where can they find you? You can find us on Twitter at Second Tier Pod. We're also on Instagram at Second Tier Pod. We have podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Just give us a listen, see if you like us. Even if Brentford aren't in the championship next season, give us a listen and you still might be interested. Ryan, good catching up with you and talk to you soon. See you later, mate. So Saturday, Craven Cottage. The bees are off to Craven Cottage, postponed or curtailed for three months. But now the excitement is back. The bees are potty. Fans are all talking about how they're going to be watching the game, where they're going to be hanging out, what they're going to be doing, what TV platform they're going to be watching it on. So I'm going to be watching it with my mates in the garden. And also, we got the man, Sammy, from Fulhamish, who knows everything about Fulham, who's going to give us a bit of an update. Sammy, how are you doing? Good, Bill. Lovely to be on Besotted, as always. That's good, mate. Good to have you. And I've just got to ask you, I mean, um, 
how excited are you for this new mini season? I say mini season because it's not a full season, is it? No, it's not a full season. It feels a bit like a World Cup but or, or Euros, but obviously with domestic football. It, it, it's so odd. And I must admit, for a couple of months during the kind of crisis and stuff, I didn't think that this was the right option. Um, I didn't think that football coming back should be coming back in this way. But it is, and now it's here, quite excited. And it all seems quite sensible and measured, and it's worked in Germany. So I don't really now see any reason why it can't work. Um, in the UK and yeah really excited but I'll tell you what it's it's a baptism of fire isn't it going into this obviously we've got you boys on Saturday we've got Leeds the Saturday after and then QPR the following Tuesday it was such a big kind of three four games coming up just before it got all got curtailed and um, it's actually pretty nerve-wracking now and I have that feeling of like a summer tournament where it's like, yeah, it's all really exciting, but this could all be over in three games. And, and I have a similar kind of trepidation now. I mean, I'm fingers crossed it all goes well, but it also could go belly up and my weekends could start getting ruined again, which I haven't had that feeling for uh, three months. So very excited. But yeah, there's a bit of nerves there as well at the same time. I don't know if it's the same for you, Bill. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said to you, I'm a bit, I wasn't nervous on the 13th of March when we were coming down to you because we had nothing to lose. We're going to go straight into that game and if we if we lost, probably be in the playoffs and if we won, then it would be exciting. So, But this is different because there's been a bit of a pause. You don't really know what's going on. You don't know what the players are going to come back. Are they going to come out, out the traps? Um, is the team going to be different? Is the team going to be stronger because, you know, players like Pontus Janssen is back in and Makocho is back in. He can come off the bench and Fosu's like learned the patterns of play and stuff. So the fact is that it's all a little bit, you know, different for us and obviously with Fulham as well you know I think there was a little bit of probably nerves with you guys at that stage you were on a bit there's a bit of a momentum happening yeah um, with you as in that games were coming you know thick and fast but also you knew that you had a lot of really tough games ahead of you mm. and you knew that if you lost one or two games oh it could go a little bit horribly wrong but with that three-month break it's just given everybody a time to sort of kind of calibrate themselves and maybe chill out a little bit and kind of just get their heads in order so you don't really know them and the one thing I was going to say is that you know before we went into the break we have to be honest the pundits were saying first and second it's home and dry Leeds and West Brom and Fulham a third and if anyone is going to catch the third place it's going to be or the second place it's going to be Fulham who are in third place. Mm. You know, you're four points away from West Brom, but you had a little bit of work to do. And uh, we were just like, you know, a playoff team. Now, um, things might have changed a little bit and uh, you've got an outside chance of automatic promotion. But, you know, are you still confident that you might actually get somewhere near that second spot? I don't know if I'm confident that we'll do it, but I certainly can see the path to getting there you know we we are six points behind West Brom who by the way I think are the team to catch not Leeds in this situation and I, I thought that before the lockdown I still thought that they were the ones who the wheels could fall off for them um I mean they had like their cup run at the time and stuff which obviously now is, is not really something to think about because we have to play Leeds and West Brom I think ultimately, if the season hadn't have been stopped, Fulham were not going to catch the top two, really, because we had to go to Ellen Road and to the Hawthorns. And the probability of us getting six points from those games and winning the rest of them when there were tough games in there, you know, the likes of yourselves and, and you know, going to Loftus Road is, is not always is not easy either. I just thought there was too much on it. But now... 
we get to go to an empty Elland Road and an empty Hawthorns. And, and, and I think the game has completely changed. And you win those two games and suddenly it's all a lot narrower at the top and, and there's a race. But you know, Tom Kearney um, was speaking to Radio London earlier and he said, yes, we're in with a shot but we can't have any slip-ups. We make one slip-up, we lose on Saturday or we lose next Saturday and it's all kind of over again. So Fulham have to be pretty much perfect to, to make it happen. And I, I, I hopefully the, the lads aren't putting too much pressure on themselves to do that. But right now, if you look at the table, there is a chance, but I still think it's a pretty outside chance of us actually making the top two, if, if I'm perfectly honest. But I think third is ours to cement and it would be good to finish third because... I don't really fancy. Well, I, I, to be honest, I don't. I just don't want to play whoever's in fifth. I don't want to play yourselves, and I don't want to play Forest. But I'm more than happy to kind of face whoever else we may meet in sixth, whether that be Preston, Bristol, or, or Millwall. I mean, this season, as we as we're coming back, I keep saying this season, so it's this mini season. You're coming back. Obviously, I would presume that your players are are all fit. Fit and ready. So you're going to have your your first team available. You're gonna you're going to have a a big squad of available how do you see you know these next nine games panning out what players are going to make a massive influence do you think because this is a little bit different from the Fulham from December and January this is a Fulham who's kind of been through the mill a little bit and it's come out the back end yeah we are different and and we're different because of one player who was signed for us and that is Michael Hector Fulham had massive problems in defence and Alfie Mawson's performance at Griffin Park that day where you should have won by six or seven. The fact that it was one was a travesty on you guys, really. It was a mixture of poor finishing and bad luck, really. Um, but Alfie Mawson had a shocker that day. But Michael Hector's come in alongside Tim Ream and our defence looks um, completely rejuvenated, really. And and that's that's the main difference. Uh, I think in terms of players coming back, Harrison Reed will uh, hopefully be back to full fitness in kind of uh, the DM. Um, and that'll be good because I think whilst Harry Arter does an okay job, he's a bit of a hothead. And uh, I think he sometimes, uh, he, he seems like uh, a disaster waiting to happen. Whereas Harrison Reed is a much cooler, calmer, and to me, frankly, better footballer than, than Harry Arter. The one player that we probably won't have back though is Terence Congola. I think his injury was so severe that even this three-month layoff still doesn't mean that he'll be back for any of these games, which is a massive shame because he was a huge signing for us and him alongside Hector, potentially even we could have moved to a back three if we'd have had Congola available. And I, and I think that could have been a real, real game changer. But other than that, it's going to be usual suspects. Rodak in goal, Kearney pulling the strings in the middle. And, and as ever, Mitro up top, who is uh, in a tight battle and maybe something that we've uh, not mentioned much. With, with your boy Ollie for, for the golden boot. And it will be interesting to see, you know, if it might become a bit of a race for that if both of us are just heading towards the playoffs by the end of the season. It'll be nice to see them battling it out as who can get to that kind of magic 30 goals because I think they both will, to be honest. And again, that's really interesting because, like I said, you've got a player who will not be funny, Mitrovic, he really is. He is golden boot man. He really does score some great goals. And fair play to Ollie Watkins from flipping from becoming a, a, a striker, from a winger. And, you know... Even I, at the beginning of the season, I was a little bit like, mm, okay, and I thought Ollie Watkins was a striker when he came from Exeter. Uh, and when I spoke to a few of the coaching staff, they were saying, well, you know, he prefers to play out the wing because he likes to 
get the ball. He likes to sort of kind of find the ball, get it and run with it. You know, so this role for him, which basically he was really forced into it because we, we didn't sign a player in the summer. Yeah. You know, we were meant to sign that player and, uh, you know, the, the, his gangster agents kind of sort of kind of had us over a barrel. So it all fell through. And also, you know, Carl Taylor, Lars Taylor as well was another player that we were meant to get last minute, but that didn't, that all fell through. Yeah. So we kind of said to Ollie, Ollie, this is your job, mate. You've, you've got to, just got to do it. And to be fair to him, he's done a fantastic job in converting to a striker. So, but he's one of three players that we've got who, you know, they've scored, I think it's 49 goals between them. Does that make you a little bit nervous? You know, we're talking about Benbumo, Benrama and Watkins. Does that make you a little bit nervous knowing that they're going to be coming at you on Saturday? Yeah, it does. I mean, in, in a way, I, I think that this game on Saturday, there'll be a lot of anticipation for it. And I really can actually see it being pretty low scoring just because I think both teams will be quite rusty. And, you know, I'd rather be facing... BMW now than in three four games time when presumably they're up and running again and and look what you've done on a number of occasions this season is just royally pulled teams pants down you know you did it to Sheffield Wednesday in the last game Um, you did it famously to Luton when you absolutely battered them off the park and you have this ability um, you did it to Hull as well and you've got this ability to to, to run riot and, and once they've got their tails up there's no stopping them and and that day against us whilst you only scored one you might as well have scored six from the amount of chances that you had yeah it is it is quite scary to be an opposition fan when you see them in full flow but hopefully I think the fact that this will be a cagey match I think this game will be decided on one of limited opportunities in my opinion and I hope that with a a player like Mitrovic who is the kind of player that you give him one chance and he normally sticks it away that that maybe our slightly better clinical edge may see us through in this game because I just don't think that your three will be fully up to speed but I could be completely wrong and yeah on their day they are probably up there with the best front three in this league and I think maybe only West Brom's front three um, gets close. So obviously the big talking point at the moment now with all the fans who are getting very excited is the question how and where are you watching the game? So uh, I'm asking you, Sammy, have you got any plans to host a watch party? It sounds really American, doesn't it? I got a watch party somewhere in Southwest London at all. Um, we haven't yet, actually. We, we've kind of not really organised anything. I'm just going to be watching at home, to be honest. We are using a, an app called Hot Mic, which is where um, we'll do a commentary and it syncs up to your telly um, and we'll be commentating on every game as it as it goes ahead, but just from our respective locations. But um, I, I'd imagine, I, I, w- I quite like the sound of what you're doing with the, uh, the, 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 the watch party somewhere in West London. I, I think that might be something we have to consider moving forward. But no, we have sad, I'm feeling a bit boring now that we haven't got any plans for Saturday other than just watching it and enjoying it. There's all sorts of ones. I mean, I don't live in West London. That's the thing. I live in North. So I've, I've got all the North London bees coming around to my garden. So they're all coming around the side. I've got the, <laughs> I've got, I've got the gazebo, you know, got the TV worked out. I, I did a little test test run a few days ago as well, where I have did a little test run, put the TV outside, got the skybox, made sure it all works. So it's all working nice and good. So I've got them all nicely socially distanced. So it kind of all works out and it's nice Perfect. and safe. So quite excited about that. And also, on Saturday, it's going to be Besotted versus Fulhamish live on Sky TV on Saturday morning, actually. Yeah, we were actually due to be interviewed on the pitch at Craven Cottage for the live match in March, but the last-minute curtailment meant that was knocked on the head 
it's going to be quite interesting, that isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that part of of Saturday, and and it's going to be a big old audience. I think obviously, I think like you know, there's the game on Wednesday night tonight as we record. It's, it's Aston Villa Sheffield United. It's probably one of the most dead Premier League matches that could be, but it's probably going to have Sky's biggest audience of the season, and I think that Fulham-Brentford might be the biggest championship audience of the season, barring maybe the playoff final. So it's exciting. It's exciting that this game is kicking it all back off in, in the second tier. And there was lots of points where we didn't think that the second tier would come back at all. So it is, and, and I think it's a game worthy of that. Although I don't actually think that the game itself will be of massively high quality and I don't think lots of the games that are coming back will be of high quality but yeah I'm very excited to go toe-to-toe with you uh, live on Sky on, on Saturday Bill. Okay, and maybe you know if you're lucky I might not mention the uh, the clappers and also the, 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 the sound test that you did because there's a little sound test that you did apparently it's less you're going to be piping sound you know crowd noise into the stadium is that right well there there was certainly a test and there was a video that kind of went viral of it being tested at craven cottage someone told me from the fulham supporters trust that this is sky's doing and it's not actually something that the club fulham itself have been putting in place it's something that sky are, are testing out in certain games and apparently it was them that came in to test it um but yeah i mean it will be Weird seeing Craven Cottage empty. Uh, I don't know who it's going to advantage most. Obviously, you know, you guys would have brought a good support to to the cottage and, and made a racket. But um, it won't, it'll be a derby, but it won't feel like that in the ground, I, I don't think. And you just don't know how the players will react. Are they going to celebrate? Are they going to go mad if they score a winner? Or is it all just going to be like a, a friendly match? There's, there's so many unknowns right now. And I, I think until we watch it and see it, we, we won't have any idea of what it's going to be like. No, difficult. I mean, I personally think that you're going to have an advantage going to Craven Cottage or going to Craven, that's your ground, Craven Cottage, with no fans in it because Brentford fans come down there and go absolutely guaranteed. Normally we go absolutely mad, you know, Fulham get battered and uh, bees up Fulham down, all that kind of stuff sort of ringing for 90 minutes. Um, and I think that makes the players a little bit nervous because even though the professionals, I think that, you know, that thing cannot not affect them. When you sort of see, you know, fans sort of kind of hanging from the rafters, you know, <laughs> for a particular match, I think some players are thinking, what the hell's going on here? Like, you know, they make one mistake and they know it's all over. I mean, I'm sure Alfie Mo- Mawson must have hated that game at Griffin Park because he's figuring, oh, I used to play for this team, you know, I'm right up here, I've made a mistake, oh, I listen to them, they're just sort of singing the whole way through. So I think it might sort of even itself out a little bit and it might actually play into your hands. Well, Craven Cottage is going to be even more bizarre than most stadiums because it's got one ground, it's got one side of it completely empty at the moment as well. So it's going to feel even more kind of desolate to the players. You can literally see the river from the pitch pretty much at the moment. And um, I think it's going to be a strange, strange old atmosphere in there. It's obviously normally a really tight ground and the changing rooms are tiny, but I assume Fulham will have done something to ensure that actually you can social distance. They might give you a space under a stand to get ready. I I don't know because it's impossible to keep two metres apart in the Craven Cottage dressing rooms. So I think it's going to be a weird experience for the players. It's going to be weird for the fans. It's not going to feel like a derby. I think I think we'll get 10, 15 minutes in and we'll forget that it's Brentford and that there's any app because the atmosphere will be gone and that may be when it hits home that this is this is the new normal and, and derbies really have the spice taken out of them when, when fans 
aren't in the ground and it's just 22 men kicking a ball. Sorry to be a bit of a downer, but I think hopefully these nine games will prove to the authorities that actually without fans, derbies aren't derbies and football isn't really football. We'll put up with it in the circumstances and we're happy to have it back. But I think that's what we'll come out of this realising is that Fulham Brentford isn't Fulham Brentford unless there's Bees fans at one end singing Bees up, Fulham down and um, we're at the other end tutting that it's your cup final. <laughs> so listen, one last big Sammy, give us a score prediction for Saturday. I am going to go with a narrow 2-1 win for Fulham. I think both teams will score, um, but I, I hope we'll edge it and I think maybe some of our quality will shine through. We have had that magic spark this season just to get goals out of nowhere because the quality in our side is so good from Cav, Knockart, Mitro, Kearney. They're all players that can score wonderful goals and sometimes that's been our criticism of them this year is actually we haven't put the performances, the team performances in like you have where it's um, we've been able to batter aside 7-0 or 5-0 and really turn up and pull in the complete performance. But actually, I think in this kind of tight game, some individual quality will be what decides it. And I, and I think Fulham's individual quality is just a little bit better than Brentford. And that's what I think will be the difference maker. But no no doubt, Bill, you've got a, um, you've got a bet in for 4-0 Brentford and you've got the T-shirts printed already. I tell you, they're just on the way. They'll be there by Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sammy, cheers for this, mate. And I shall see you on Saturday. See you on Saturday, Bill. It's, uh, it's a war. Indeed. That's Sammy from Fulhamish. And yes, there is all sorts of crowd noises coming from the stadium. They're testing it out. They're thinking, yes, we're going to make the Brentford players really scared if we actually have this music on the tannoys around the side of the pitch, which is a lot of people were commenting the fact that it was probably more noise than they've ever had at Fulham. But anyway, Sammy is a little bit, I don't know, a little bit confident there, as you can see, a little bit nervous, but he feels that they're stronger than they were three or four months ago. And, uh, and, and, and and basically, they need to get a couple of wins under their belt. Obviously, like us, he wouldn't want to play Brentford first game. We don't necessarily want to play Fulham first game, but we need to get that game out of the way. But, you know, the point that I made to him is I think that, you know, Fulham might benefit from the fact that there are no fans in the stadium. But on the flip side of it, we may actually benefit the fact that the weather is really good. The pitches are really good. We play actually really good football. We'll be passing the ball around and it's going to be it's going to be a right good ding dong. But it's not going to be anything that we should be scared about. Did he mention about making a nice cake? <laughs> I think he finished the cake, actually. He finished at home, but they're going to bring it to wherever he's watching the game on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant game to come back to. Yeah, um, there's a lot of Brentford fans are obviously going to getting really, really excited. Uh, not being able to go to the match is clearly an issue. Um, and A gutter, I think the word is. Yeah, no, it is a gutter. I mean, we were halfway to, to Craven Cottage when the game was called off, you know, so um, it, it, it's, been, it's been a long time coming and it's a, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a great fixture to, to kind of get the season back as we said before, got nine games really, it's a mini a mini run to the finish. And we'll know a lot more after our first two fixtures. Our first two fixtures are against clubs that are above us. And above us is where we're looking. We need to, to we need to reel in those two teams. So we, we we're in a unique position where the, the everything is in our court. 
you know we're not we're not necessarily reliant on other teams doing us favours in that first three games. We we've got to go out and do our own favours, and the team directly above us is the team who are our biggest direct rivals, and there is no bigger incentive. And the players that it won't be lost on them. They would have been really really cranked up for that game they would have probably been gutted that the match was called off as much as the fans were gutted it was called off because I think we would have gone to Graven Cottage on that on that um, Friday the 13th and won so so to have to wait three months I think there's a lot of um, pent up uh, uh, aggression and um, I think I think the players will go out and give everything and Fulham always struggle against us in these derbies, it, for whatever reason, they don't consider it as as, as important as it as it clearly is, and uh, their fans have said it a lot um, over the last three, four, five years that for whatever reason we've had we've had the you know the voodoo sign over over QPR and and Fulham because they just don't take it seriously as we do, and they go oh it's your cup final, you know, whatever patronising expression you want to use. But it, it means something, and if a West London derby or a derby, a London derby, doesn't mean anything because you lost a Mickey Mouse European Cup a decade or two ago, <laughs> then you need to you need to get your heads back in the 2020s. You, you can't you can't live in the past. So, you know, I, I think we're going to go there and do them. I'm interested, Peter Gillam, who's Mr. Brentford, as I know him. He's been uh, he's been on the Tannoy for what, 40, 50 years now and everyone knows about him. He's the man who <laughs> refuses to mention the name QPR for any match that comes down to Brentford. You know, Brentford 3, uh, the visitors nil. You know what I'm saying? Which has really, really upset the QPR fans. But he's the one that normally goes and stokes the players up, gives them the history, tells them why, if they're only going to win one game or two games this season, why these are the teams that they should be. And it normally seems to work. Do you think that they've wheeled him out for this game as well um, obviously social distancing wise I hope they've been uh, you know coronavirus testing PG as one of the uh, behind the scenes you know staff like you know the management and the coaches and all the rest of it because he, he seems to be a vital part look if we're missing that crowd element um, on Saturday and for the rest of the season you know us taking 5,000 nearly 6,000 to Craven Cottage every single time it does have an effect I'm telling you now you know we drown out the clappers we 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 get you know we sing above the um the neutral stand and we make a difference and the players sense that so i'm just hoping that there are elements being thrown in this saturday that the players can recognize and understand why this game is so important to us not just because it's the first game back after project restart that needs no reminding but because of the whole derby effect it is a weird one though isn't it because you don't have that whole you know presence there you know the fans the the, the pre-match build up the, the everything around it so I'm I'm hopeful I'm, I'm thinking that you know this whole thing about you know no fans present and, and the kind of away games that we've got like this one are actually going to play to our advantage um, you know the Fulham fans at the moment are all busy getting paper cuts you know folding cards and making clappers and stuff you know in their back gardens mm-hmm. um, and, and getting the quiche you know recipes ready and all the rest of it for Saturday Um we're going to be bang up for this, you know. We we know how to knock their noses out of joint. We've got history. The one nil uh, victory at Griffin Park earlier in the season was the most one-sided one nil I've ever known, and that will play on people's minds. 
and we're even stronger now than we were on the 13th of March with the likes of, um, you know, um, Pontus back and, and the kind of squad we've got. So I'm I'm optimistic. I'm I'm going to give my score prediction a little bit later on, but I really I'm I'm potty for this. We 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 got to be you know really really up for this, guys. And and there's there's going to be a positive outcome. I'm telling you now. Watching the game. Um... We're going to go around and find out what watching the game because I said there's lots of conversations being had in Brentford. Like I said to you, you know, I've got my, my little garden set up here, and like I said to you, you've got you know Darren and a few other North London bees, Bob and all them lot coming around on Saturday to to watch the game, which is all good. I know Laney's got a little setup as well in West London. Other characters, all sorts going on with different characters, you know. But it looks like the Brentford fans are plotting themselves up nicely as well. I've got the Seven Oaks posse as well. They invited us down to Seven Oaks as well down in Kent because they've got a little setup going down there in Kent with Paul Cassell. Ren and Simon and them lot as well so like I said to you lots of little satellite you know um, parties and kind of cookouts and all sorts of stuff that's going on which is really weird because it's so American and so not really what you know I've been into but um, at all when it comes to football when you sort of think about the Americans so, so much concentrate on how they're where they're going before the match and how much they can eat and how much they can cook out and stuff like that and we think this is really quite strange but now we have to we have to we have to change the way that we do things and because we're forced into it it kind of becomes a little bit of a laugh we know it's not going to be forever it's going to be hopefully for like you know not going to last much more than six months or so we might as well just make the most of it um to watching the game like i said to you in various different ways sky tv obviously the matches on sky 12 30 kickoff as well interestingly it's going to be besotted versus fulhamish on sky as well myself and sammy are going to be on sky um before the match and after match as well i think we were meant to be actually on uh before the match uh craven cottage we were meant to be on the pitch before the match actually giving a little bit of a preview but obviously that was curtailed so they're bringing it back on saturday so there's gonna be trill be on or trill be off i think trill be off for this one i think safe trill be for england games like you know so it's going to be uh, Versace versus Fulhamish ah, you know let's see who's going to win that little battle so that's going to be before the match as well so Sky TV also as Laney says uh, Now TV as well he tucked into a little bit of Now TV pass as well which you can do how much is that? Um, if, I, if I remember rightly it was 25 quid a month for three months you're tied into so I'm thinking the first month is pretty much all of the season I'm a season ticket holder so the games that aren't on Sky I can watch and I follow second part of that month um, it's going to be the playoffs and, and what have you um, um, assuming that we get, we don't get any more interruptions um, and then we go straight to the playoffs the third month well it's I'm not sure what's on I'm not sure what's on so they're cricket pro- well they're, pro- they're probably they're probably like knowing Sky they'll probably be showing the, the Brentford Yeovil game for the millionth time <laughs> so that's right so, so that now TV as well because people have been asking because you know we've got loads of questions going around but people didn't know because not everyone's got Sky you know everyone knows that you can get now TV which is really easy to get you can get a little dongle which you put onto your TV you can pick up for, for about 20 quid as well which you get now TV so you can watch that very very easy and also I, I follow if you're a season ticket holder you can watch all the matches on i follow you should have got an email about that uh, asking you if you wanted to take up that option as well and if you're not a season ticket holder you can watch matches on i follow which are not on sky so the fact is that you'll still have to yeah 10 pound a game you have to work out how you're going to watch the sky game so it's a little bit of a juggle up between there that's going on as well like i said to you there's all sorts of garden parties that are happening we've heard about a party on a green somewhere in west london as well for which somebody 
messaged us about, which we're not quite sure if it's probably uh, sensible to actually give the location of that because it could be a bit of a sort of public disorder. We'll find out a little bit more information about that. Said we're not sure what the legal factors are about this as well. So for us to be sort of kind of broadcasting it, we'll hold off on that because I'm sure if it's a good one there'll be more options to go to that as well so uh like i said to you there's going to be so it sounds like it's going to be you know a bit of bit of fun on sound isn't it yeah yeah you well you've got to try and make it fun haven't you i mean you can you can sit there being like mogadon saying you know oh, really not into this this isn't football bloody blah, blah well no it's not N- none of us are really happy about it but you can either make the most of it and see as many friends as you can safely and and watch the game together or you can go for a walk enjoy it um or don't but it's it's up to you. I mean, I, I just don't think like whinging about it, n- this isn't football is actually that helpful. No, it isn't. But we haven't got that choice. So no one's voted for this. This is just the best of a shit situation. So so crack on. I saw a wicked um, thing on uh, MoneySavingExpert.com. If um, you know, you get those emails basically telling you that if you you know you got a couple of options. There's loads of football free on on TV. But if you pay this amount, you'll get this many games. If you pay this amount, you get that many games. And of course, you know everyone in terms of the season ticket holders and the the ticket match holders for uh, the last few games of Brentford. Hopefully, you've all got back to the club in terms of either you know donating that money or, or leaving that money within the club's coffers or, or taking it back or you know cashing in on the the IFLO deal, which is which is brilliant, I have to say. So I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we've all you know. Got to deal with it. We've all got our homemade haircuts. We'll all have our uh, Brentford shirts. Except me, of course. Of course you, yeah. Um, we'll, um, you know, be stocked up. We'll be getting the old uh, barbecue on. It's um, it's an interesting time. We're not used to football at this time of year, um, you know, in terms of club football. So I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be a little bit different um, for all of us. But, you know, all it's going to take is a little bit of uh, momentum, hopefully, with the results and the way that we play and, uh, you know, hopefully getting hold of one of those playoff places and who knows you know uh with with Leeds and West Brom um you know with a couple of difficult matches first couple of games in including against us who knows what's going to happen I'm, I'm so looking forward to it and just coming to the game itself uh for me I'm, I'm looking forward to the game itself like I said to you I said before the weather's better now the, the pitches are green, you know, perfectly, you know, they've been manicured, you know, the, the groundsmen, you know, they've been, they've spent three months, you know, purring and making the pitches look beautiful, which, you know, I think is going to, it's going to be in our favour. Right. And like I said to you, also the other thing is players like Fossu, Baptiste, and all these players coming through, I think that they're going to really add to the pot. So I think that we have got a shot at doing probably a little bit better than people say we're going to do. And I think that we can have a real shot at going for third place. Yeah. That, that only works though if you if you're actually potty for it every single game. We we've seen it so many times where you think this is an opportunity, and for whatever reason, the second game it doesn't click. They're not up for it. You know, it, it only works if 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 Reading have got nothing to play for, then great. But you have to go there and prove that you have. You can't be dragged down to their to their mentality so often we've seen that it's easy for a team to do that if someone else is not up for it then then you're not up for it we have to be really nine games at full throttle and that, that's going to be difficult but you know, we've spoken about how many of these fringe players can come in and contribute just got to make sure they do for Fulham, as we said before, we, we we don't think they've had like you know a competitive, even friendly context. You know, ninety minutes. Um, it's a really hard one to call. BMW maybe haven't clicked during the friendlies, but I'm not going to read too much into that. I'll I'll you know work on a the basis they're uh, you know saving themselves for the the bigger occasion. Um, 
And, you know, it's hard at this stage of the season as well because, you know, with the restart, I think you get into a rhythm with teams, you know, watching the opposition, doing your Bielsa spygate, you know, working out, you know, how they're training, what they're doing, how they're setting up. It's, it's kind of like almost back to kind of square one now. And because we've got these players coming through who have not been seen in the championship, who've not, like, you know, been part of the, the matchday squad, um, you know, as a, as a central part just yet, We've got some unknown quantities. Score prediction. Score prediction, 3-1 Brentford. Oh, liking that. Yeah, it's going to be, quite clearly it's going to be a tough game. They're, they're a very good team individually. They've got some quality, quality players. I think Pontus Janssen's um, you know, uh, return to the team is, is something that is, you, can't, you can't underestimate that. So uh, I, I just think that him... Being back is something that will make sure that a lot of players that could drop um, aren't allowed to. Um, if, he, if he's in the right frame of mind, then I think Brentford will be. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going for a Brentford win as well. I'm going for 2-1. OK, and you have to remember that Pontus Janssen as well, when he was in our side before, he was the um, we had the best defence in the league, you know, even better than Leeds, and that was in sort of December, January. So if we can get back to that kind of form and teams aren't scoring against us, that puts us in a really good position. And I spoke on the Fulhamish podcast as well. If you want to have a little listen to what the opposition are doing, just check out Fulhamish, good bunch of lads. And they talked about all sorts of stuff. And I think they're a little bit nervous about us coming down to check them out. So that's all good. So for me, you've heard all my thoughts. I'm very confident I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to Brentford. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Uh, rounding up like I said podcasts are back now we're back after having a little break we're going potty for it we got post-match on Saturday we're going to have a weekend roundup probably Sunday or Monday we're going to have a podcast on the Thursday uh, then also we're going to do a midweek on Tuesday when we've got matches as well so we're going to have probably maybe four podcasts a week which is going to be quite mad we're going to have more articles we're going to have all sorts of stuff so you should check out everything that's happening on besotted.com and also prideofwest.london and don't forget to subscribe to us on all your good podcast platforms don't forget to check out the 88-89 FA Cup run quarter final podcast it's absolutely brilliant um, check out everything else and that we Ma- do the, Ma- the Martin Allen push up Brentford podcast which i thought was exceptional that's right i still need to listen to that one because there's so much content that's been coming out recently but the push out brentford martin allen podcast which is also up on pride of west.london as well so so many things for you to get the vibe into football by saturday bees are going to craven cottage we're really looking forward to it we're sitting here in the garden we're going to be in the garden on saturday we're going to have our beers we're going to have the barbecue out we're going to have all our mates we're going to on the zoo we're going to be just absolutely potty for it as we say come on come on you bees Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.